Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Thank you for joining us again today on the program. Welcome back to That You Might Have Life. I'm Dr. Lynn Hiles, and I'm here today with a special guest again. My, as you can see, my oldest son, Jeremy, is on the program with me today. It's good to have you back good on the program, here. Jeremy. And uh, he pastors a church in Winchester, Virginia, uh, called Words That Freeze, and truly the gospel that they preach will free you. If you're looking for a grace-based church in the Northern Virginia area, you owe it to yourself to come and be a part of their ministry. Uh, we just uh, want to just thank you again for faithfully tuning in every week. And if you've missed any of our programs, uh, we just want you to know that you can go to our YouTube channel. Uh, you can watch them there for free. They are archived. Everything we've aired to date is archived there. You can view it at your leisure on your smart device or uh, your iPhone, your iPad, your uh, if you have a Roku or a smart TV, if you've got a YouTube channel, you can get us. And you can watch it at your leisure. And uh, if you like the program today, say, well, I wish I had recorded that. Well, it is recorded, and you can go there, and you can watch it again on YouTube simply by putting my name in there. Or if you go to our website at lynnhiles.com, there's a link directly to it. That's the easiest way to find it. Subscribe to our page there. Our podcast is also available uh, on iTunes, which is the audio portion of this if you want to listen to it again while you're driving to work in the mornings or the evenings. It is a good way to redeem that time of just sitting in traffic. Uh, enough of that. I want to get in the Word uh, again today. Uh, the last segment, we began to take a look at Matthew 6. Over the last 10, 12 weeks, we aired some stuff on Matthew 4, Matthew 5, the Beatitudes, receiving and releasing the kingdom. Uh, today we're going to talk from Matthew 6 again, and the main thrust that I want to pick up is just a few verses in this segment. Uh, verse number 33, well, we'll start in verse 31. It says, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And that was where we really put an emphasis last week. I want to pick that again. And all these things will be added to you. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I, I, I want to back up just one, a few verses. Uh, while I was reading that, I thought this would connect with it in the context of, uh, um, you know, how this works a little bit. It says, Verse 27 of this same chapter says, Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field. Watch this. Something specific about consider the lilies of the field. What do we need to consider? This is what Jesus said. How they grow. Well, how do they grow? They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon of all of his glory was arrayed, not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God clothes the grass which, uh, of the field which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And when I, the reason I, I brought that in, Jeremy, is because when I think about these texts, 
There's so much going on here. There's a lot of surface truth, but there's a lot of stuff that's really deep and I think profound. Because the whole thrust here is if you seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, then all these things are added to you. Now, so seeking his righteousness is not about performance righteousness. It's about receiving, as we said in the last segment, receiving the gift, the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. So righteousness is a gift. Mm -hmm. Even when I think about, when I say that, I think about uh, the word that declares the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But if we don't have an understanding of righteousness, we'll go, well, then I'm, you know, God will hear the preacher. Yeah. He, he's looking for a glow-in-the-dark evangelist. You know, God will never hear me. No, no, uh, you are a righteous man because of a gift, yep. because you've received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, so you can pray effectual fervent prayers. Then he goes on, and, and I believe con ties the context of this again, even in what it just said. He's talking about more than grass and, and lilies. It's, 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 it's interesting, you know, everything the Holy Spirit breathes in the Scripture is so powerfully full of revelation. He says, consider the lilies of the field. What do you consider? How they grow. How do they grow? They don't toil or spin. But I was raised in the toil and spin church. Mm -hmm. You know, I was raised in the, you know, like we talked about the last segment. I was, you know, where it's all about the long prayers for pretense. It was all about, you know, uh, appearing to men to be holy and appearing to men to fast and appearing to men to have, you know. And really what he's talking about is here, you know, when I think about lilies, immediately my mind goes to the Song of Solomon. This is probably dangerous to open this can of worms here with me and you both because we love this book of the Song of Solomon. But in the Song of Solomon, the king, which is a type of Jesus, looks at the Shulamite, which is a type of the church, the bride of Christ, or individually us. And he says, my beloved is like a lily among thorns. That's what he says about us. Yep. Now, the word, uh, you know, when I think about thorns, immediately my mind goes to Sinai because the word Sinai, where the law was given, means thorny place or the thorns. Jesus wore a crown of thorns to redeem us from a legalistic mentality, from the curse. In other words, the thorns and thistles are even connected clear back into Genesis where it's about works and labor and the earth will bring forth thorns and thistles and you earn your bread by the sweat of your face. So everything that has involvement with that old covenant, uh, you know, uh, is, is part of the curse. But he's saying you're like a lily among the thorns. Mm -hmm. In other words, a lily is a symbol of resurrection. That's why we have Easter lilies on Easter Sundays, because it's a symbol of resurrection. It's one of the first flowers to bloom through. So when he says you're like a lily among thorns, what he's saying to her is you've got resurrection life right in the midst of the curse. Mm -hmm. And if you've got resurrection life, you don't need to toil or spin. It's not about works or labor, but this arraying, uh, you're going to be arrayed greater than Solomon. We've been clothed with greater threads than Solomon. Mm -hmm. We've got, we've put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been given a robe of righteousness. Yep. So that, uh, you know, what he's saying is everything about this is not about your performance. It's about receiving and not toiling and spinning. It's about uh, you know, when you, when you pray again, we're going to, you know, touch that scripture. When you pray, you know, enter your closet, shut the door, shut the door, 
to condemnation, shut the door to performance, shut the door to anything that could hinder you from believing God can hear you pray. Uh, jump in there, because I know you can jump in there and grab something. Well, you know, even like, you know, we when we would go in to pray a lot of times too, we'd always be, it's like, especially if we needed something, we'd always be reminding God of all the things we've done. You know, well, you know, God, I go to church every Sunday, you know, and I, I pay my tithes, I do all these, you know, if anybody is, if anybody deserves, <laughs> if anybody deserves. <laughs> you know, this, I do, yeah. you know. And so it became this, when you was talking about the lilies that, you know, you said, consider the lilies, they don't toil, they don't spin, consider how they grow, that what's in the nature of the lily is to grow. That's, that's, its nature is just to grow. It doesn't have to do anything. Uh, to, to try to make itself do this. It's in its nature to grow. And so I think what God is doing, like I said, when we talked about this in the last, last segment, we were talking about coming into a different mindset even of that it's, we're seeking the kingdom, we're seeking his righteousness, and that when you begin to understand the, your identity, and that's what Jesus came to do, is he began, the things Jesus was teaching was completely different uh, than what had been the norm for, uh, oh, absolutely. you know, in their culture. 1,500 years. You know, like I said, I, I, like I said, I, I'd been reading Isaiah this morning in chapter 1, and, he, in, and God himself begins to talk through Isaiah, and he says, you know, you come before me, and you start into your prayers, and he said, what I do is I just close my ears to it. He said, because I'm tired of hearing all the repetition, and he said, there's no, there's no real heart in it. You're just doing it because that's what you think. I'm looking for, you know, and he begins, I mean, he gets, goes down through the, uh, the sacrifices and all this stuff, and he's talking about, you know, he says, I'm full of blood, and I'm tired of it, you know, he says, and I can't, he said, when you lift your hands, he says, I got to close my eyes, because there's blood all over your hands from all the sacrifices, and all the things you're doing, he says, and, and God's really, his response is that, in Isaiah, is he's saying, you know, I'm tired of that kind of culture, and really what I want is a culture where I can come, where I'm not hidden in the most holy place, but I can come into a place where we can have a real intimate relationship mm -hmm. and sit down. And so when Jesus comes on the scene, he begins to teach here, like I said, Matthew 5, 6 are some of the first messages that Jesus begins to preach. Mm -hmm. And the things that Jesus preached is, is uh, completely different yeah. than the culture had been up to that point. Mm -hmm. God sounds different all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. And so he begins to teach them about prayer, and he says, you know, don't, don't, don't go about all the long prayers and the broad phylacteries and, and, and all the stuff that you've been doing. He said, when you do, he said, when you pray, you go into your closet, you go into the secret place. He said, and the Father that sees, hears in secret, he's going to reward you openly. But really what Jesus is trying to show them is not necessarily we need to go in a closet somewhere, but he's trying to bring them to a place where this is about an intimacy. Mm -hmm. And what your intimacy with God will produce is not is that when you get your mindset on His righteousness, and like you said, not not about what we've done, not about how we produce it. Like I said, we're not going in there to our closet to try to remind God of all the good stuff we've done. Mm -hmm. We're going in there to, to to go into a place of communion with Him, not just to tell Him what we need or what we want, but to be in a a place where He can respond to us too began to speak to us. I talked last time, our last segment when we were together about, you know, that, that prayer time a lot of times brings repentance. Mm -hmm. And that repentance to me is not like, you know, I go in there and then God reveals my sin and I sent an hour crying, begging for mm -hmm. forgiveness. But that word repentance simply means to change your mind to me. And there's been many times in my prayer time where I've gone in just to talk to God, God began to speak back and, and, and began to speak things that completely changed how I believed and how I responded to God and bring me into a place where it put me in a better posture to receive from God yep. uh, and, and to receive His goodness. You know, uh, 
the more, you know, growing up, and like I, I didn't grow up in legalism as bad as you guys did, but you know, you still grow up in some of the religious stuff. And you, you, you think about like you're, you're always trying to get God to be okay with you. You know, if I can just get God to be okay with me, then, you know, he'll want to heal me. He'll want to bless me. And, and when I began to understand as I've grown up and I've had times in my prayer closet where God began to speak some stuff to me, he began to speak about my identity in him. And you know, just like we're talking about the, the lily, the lily doesn't toil or spin. It's in its nature to grow. Mm -hmm. And when God begins to really reveal our true identity, that is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That, uh, beloved, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we might be called the sons of God. Mm -hmm. That the more we begin to understand our identity in Him, that it's not a righteousness that I produce, but it's a righteousness that He's produced in me. That it's not trying to get the kingdom to come. It's about the kingdom already being revealed exactly. around me and yeah. something that I can interact with now in this, this life. Uh, then all of a sudden the stuff begins to be easy to access. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, instead, you know, I grew up in a culture where we used to preach the kingdom, but we preached the kingdom is coming instead of the kingdom being here. And so if you did enough stuff, that, that would produce the kingdom coming. But what, I, and I, as the Lord began to reveal identity to me and that the kingdom being here, yes. it's, it, it's at hand, it, yes. it's, it's all around us, you can interact with yes. it now, the, that gave me access to not one day when the kingdom comes, then I can be healed. Instead, it began to give me access to the kingdoms here. I can already yeah. walk in healing yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, and I, it, it's, to me, the more we begin to hear the, this, it begins to produce something in our life. Um, as I said about in the last sec uh, session or time we were together, there's a, there's a family in our church and they're, they're, they're truly going through something. They're, they're, um, the, their husband and their father ha has gotten a diagnosis of cancer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, devasta it, it's devastating. It's devastating. And I'm, I'm walking through it with them. And, it's you know, I, I, I'm going through the gamut of emotions with them. Uh, and I was telling my wife about it, and I said, you know, I said, this just doesn't agree with what I believe and what I know is true. You know, and so I said, it, it bothers me. And my wife spoke something to me, and it, it, it really helped me. She said, you know, she goes, what you have to understand is the husband hasn't been able to be there to hear what you have taught. She said, the mother and the daughter have, and it's changing their life. She said, but he hasn't heard that to be able to receive, mm -hmm. and the kingdom begin to operate in him. Yeah. And she said, what you, and she goes, you can't be upset because somebody wasn't there to, re, to hear that. You know, you've got to just keep preaching it until people begin to hear it. And so one of the things I told the mother and the father, I said, you've heard the gospel. The mother and the daughter. The mother and the daughter. I said, uh, you, you've heard the gospel, and what you need to do is go and begin to teach him what you've heard. And I said, give it to him like it's a treatment. Began to speak into him his identity in Christ, the goodness of God, all the things you've heard in this place. I said, because just like it's produced life and, and, and blessings in you, I believe it can produce life and blessing in him, but he has to be able to hear it. If you don't hear the gospel, it can't produce something. Yep. It, doesn't give you, it doesn't create a faith in you to access what's available to you. You'll live in an old mindset and think this is what I deserve or this is what uh, has to happen. And so when Jesus is preaching and he's talking about considering the lilies, what he's doing is putting them into a posture of identity and saying, the lily doesn't toil, the, the lily doesn't spin, it just grows because that's what its, it's so nature it's is. It's got, it, in its nature is resurrection, in its nature is life, in its nature is the ability not have to uh, try to produce something hard 
hard. It just does yeah. it because that's what it does. And so Jesus begins to teach very subtly here an, an identity and a nature of what Christ in you does. And so when we go into our prayer closet, we have to go with an understanding of our identity. Stop trying to remind God of all the good things we've done. Yeah. But what we do is we go into our prayer closet to remind us of our identity. Yep. what God has already done for us. Yep. And then when we remind ourselves of that, we begin to receive from God and listen to what God speaks about us. It produces the, th the kingdom yeah. that we don't have to tell him, I need some clothes, I need some healing, I need this. He already knows you need those things. When you go into the prayer closet, it's a time to have some communion with God where he can begin to speak some truth to yep. you yep. that produces the kingdom. And, and in that time of him speaking into you, your righteousness, your identity, all these things become added unto you because it becomes easy. Yeah. Uh, you know, the whole gospel, I think one of the things you always say is that if, it's, if it seems too good to be true, it must be the gospel. Mm -hmm. And that really is. The gospel makes things easy. Mm -hmm. And it makes things accessible without having to try to toil or spin. We're just accessing it to our identity. Absolutely. And, you know, I think one of the things he's saying here, you know, uh, it's almost, uh, to me, uh, if you will, a buzzword or an icon that grabs me. When you pray, you enter your closet. Mm -hmm. And your father would seize in secret. That word secret to me is, is a word that says pay attention here because he's talking about the secret place. Yeah. And so, you know, when I say that to a lot of people who may be listening, that would almost be a riddle or an enigma. But the secret place to me is uh, the most holy place. Mm -hmm. It's the third dimension of the tabernacle of Moses. It is what Psalm 91 said, he that dwells in the secret place of the most high will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And then he said, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God in Him will I trust. And he goes on to tell us we don't need to be afraid of the terror that flies by night, uh, the raging epidemic. Only with your eyes will you see and behold the reward of the wicked. And so when I think about the secret place, again, to most people, that's a riddle or it's just a mystical idea. But to bring it out of the realm of mystery, when, when, when Mary comes down to the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea on resurrection morning, the stone has been rolled away. We've said this many times. But the stone has been rolled away, which to me speaks of the law. The stone of the law has been rolled away, not to let dead stinking flesh out, but to release the power of resurrection. Mm -hmm. And when Mary stoops down and she looks into the tomb, she sees an angel standing at the head and an angel standing at the foot of where Jesus had lain. And uh, what we don't realize is that this is what, what this pictures is the mercy seat. Because what, where Jesus was laying is called our propitiation. Jesus was our propitiation, which is the Greek word mercy seat. So what Mary, Mary just found was she just found the real Ark of the Covenant because the Jesus was the real chest bearing the new covenant of the Lord. And the cherubims that overshadowed that mercy seat were standing there saying, listen, here's a blood right here that speaks better things. I heard the Lord say to me prophetically in the last several weeks, he says, and now I feel the Holy Ghost when I say that. He said, I'm going to make a difference between you and the Egyptians. I believe there's got to be a difference between us yeah. where we, we can be proactive and not reactive where we make some declarations, none of these diseases will come upon you. Yeah. God said to them, I will bless your bread. I feel like I'm talking to somebody there that's watching. I'm going to bless your bread. I'm going to bless your water, and I'm going to remove sickness from among you. The right diet removes sickness. Now watch this. The water came from the smitten rock, 
And the bread that came down from heaven was manna. And Jesus said, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness. They're dead, but I'm the true bread that came down. So when we get on a steady diet of Jesus and his finished work, which is what this secret place is about, he said, I'll remove sickness from among you. There was not a feeble one among them. Now, if that can happen, Jeremy, under an old covenant, how much more under a new covenant should we expect this if we apply the blood of the Lamb to our house? You know, and this probably sounds crazy, but the first time I preached this a few weeks ago, my wife and I went home to church, and we took a bottle of oil, and we anointed every door, we anointed every window, we anointed, you know, our house, and we, and we just made some declarations together. None of these diseases, because we had gotten some reports that were not looking so good. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we, we just had to begin to make some declarations. And it turned around within a, a couple of weeks, even, you know, the things mm -hmm. that we, we thought we were going to be facing in, in reality, like yep. you said. But I believe we need to be proactive and not just reactive and stand in a place where you can trust what's up under his wings. What's under his wings? It's a blood-sprinkled mercy seat. And Hebrew said the blood speaks. The blood has something to say on our behalf. Yeah. But when we pray from that secret place, what we're doing is we're praying from the perspective of the finished work, yeah. from the mercy seat. And, you know, again, I think it even comes back somewhat to our identity, and we will deal with this more in another segment. But this same, this same chapter in Luke's gospel uh, is set up with a little bit different of spin to it. He said, if a son will ask for bread, yeah. you know, will he give him a stone? And I, I, we'll get into that in another. But the simple truth is, he said, if a son asks, he's going to receive. Jesus was the son that was asking. Now, he's teaching us how to be yeah. sons too, yeah. and I believe that's why he's telling us the reason we pray is to communicate with the Father and then act yeah. like sons. Yeah. But he says, if a son will ask, and you know, I, I've said it like this. If we was in a meeting and Jesus was up teaching and said, I'm going to run a prayer line. I said, how many of you believe if you got Jesus's prayer line, you're going to be healed? And of course, everybody's like, you know, if Jesus was here, man, I'm getting in the prayer line. But see, we don't really realize that Jesus really is here. Yep. And he's in, you know, in all of us. But what, 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 these, this prayer, even the Lord's prayer, God answered that prayer. Yep. Now, before you get real nervous, I'm not saying you can't keep asking the Lord's Prayer, but no. the kingdom, you know, his name was hallowed. Jesus yep. said, I've glorified your name. I'm going to glorify it again. And he goes on to say, you know, thy kingdom come. The kingdom did come in the yep. Holy Ghost. His will is being done. He prayed in Gethsemane, not my will, but your will be done. His will is being done in the earth. You know, uh, lead us not into temptation. In the new covenant, God does not tempt men with evil. Deliver us from evil. You know, uh, for thine is the kingdom, you know. He says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass. He answered that prayer because, he, like I said, under the old covenant, it says you forgive. Uh, if you don't forgive, you're not forgiven. But Jesus prayed, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive others. But and Paul writes and he says, we forgive even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven us. Yeah. So a son did pray. Yeah. And God did answer. If a son shall ask, will he answer the prayer of the son? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you know, Is I the was kingdom still too, coming? Yes, the kingdom's still coming. But it came and it continues to come. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, The scripture says, you know, be not conformed to this world, but mm -hmm. be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm -hmm. uh, another scripture would say, you're in this world, you're not of it. 
you know, one of the things we have done, and we've taught that scripture about uh, as sin, but one of the things I think even being conformed to this world is that we look around, we see death, we see sickness, and we think that's just a part of life. Yep. And we think that's just, you know, when if we get the bad report, well, you know, I'm, you we, know. we know a bunch of people has got a bad report, and we yeah. know how that ended up, and, and that just must be part and of what life really, is. Yeah. And that's, be, that's, really be, that door. that's really being conformed to this world rather than being transformed, saying, yeah. you know what, I'm in this world, but I'm not a part of it. And just, and, and just like you said, these diseases shall not come upon you. These sicknesses shall not come upon you. Sometimes we have to get into our prayer closet, let God begin to speak some truths to us, begin to seek His righteousness, His kingdom, and let our minds be transformed yep. away from these thoughts of, of, of what the world is, has produced for us and begin to realize, hey, there's the kingdom that's around me. And in the kingdom, there's no more tears. In the kingdom, he wipes yep. every tear from your eyes. There's no more sickness. There's yep. no more death. There's no more. Uh, you're not a part of that. And we have to begin to change our mind. We have to be transformed by the renewing of Absolutely. our mind, being realized that we are constantly being reminded of our identity in Christ, that we are not, we are not, we are no longer slaves to sin, but we are sons of righteousness and being transformed so that if a son would ask, mm -hmm. God responds to a son differently. And if we, if we don't have a mindset of a son, we don't expect God to respond differently. But that's where the transforming comes as we begin to be reminded of our sonship. And because we are sons, if we ask something, God responds to sons differently than mm -hmm. he does slaves. I think we'll probably jump way ahead, but in the text that I'm going to, we're, we're going to see this in Luke. He talks about, you know, uh, a man comes and he knocks on the door and says, you know, I need some bread. And the guy says, go away, man. I, well, I'm in the bed with my children and, you know, don't bother me. The guy keeps on knocking. The guy says, hey, I better get up and give him some bread because if I don't, the guy ain't going away. Yeah. And we, we, we think that means you need to keep on praying until God, you've got to bombard heaven, you've got to wear God out until you break him down. Like God don't want to give it to you to start out with. Yeah. But see, what he's really saying in that text is, don't use vain repetitions. In other words, God is not like an evil servant. If you being evil know how to give good gifts. In other words, if somebody pesters you, do you have to get up and finally answer their prayer because they're pestering you? If you do that being evil, how much more, in other words, your Father which is in heaven, what your Father which is in heaven doesn't need to be begged. He said, if you ask, you'll receive. If you seek, you will find. And if you knock, it will be open to yep. you. And so, you know, we've got to shut the door to all that unbelief. And we've got to shut the door again to all of that sin consciousness and believe into righteousness. Because if a son will ask... It'll be given. You know, uh, we're getting close to running out of time, but I really feel like while we're, you know, while we're saying this, I really felt like the Lord said to me, there's some folks that are watching today that really need a touch in your body. And you may have gotten a, a, a report from the doctor that's not so good. And the first thing you yeah. did was you went to the internet to look at, uh, you know, what's my next symptom going to be? I want to tell you about the Holy Ghost. Shut that door. Shut the door. I believe there's healing being released right now. I just feel like the Lord is touching some people. And these segments that we're sharing right now, I believe the Holy Spirit is moving in people's homes right now. I, I feel like there's somebody specifically that's been, uh, that just recently, I mean, just really newly uh, just got some bad reports and uh, uh, you just devastated and fear has gripped your heart. Listen to me prophetically. Shut the door. Close the door. And the first thing that hits you is, well, maybe God is judging me for my sin. If he has committed any sin, it will be forgiven. Isaiah 53, he was wounded, number one, for your transgression. Number two, bruised for your iniquity. Number three, he chastisement so you could have peace was laid on him. So that all of those things, he says, then next, by whose stripes you are healed. So even your sin and your iniquity cannot forgive. 
stop God from healing you. Uh, when he comes to a man sick of the palsy, he said, Son, thy sin be forgiven thee. Rise, take up your bed and walk. Because he knew if he could get rid of the man's sin consciousness, he'd set him up for the miracle. I want to declare over you right now, in the name of Jesus, we just released right now to those watching the power of the Holy Spirit right now. God, we ask for manifestations of this healing, and we declare prophetically that God is turning some things around. In the name of Jesus, receive it right now in Jesus' name. The word repentance means to change your mind. The message of John the Baptist and of Jesus was to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is accessed by a change in our thinking. If you are in outer darkness, there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That reality is not always out in the distant future. It is in people's lives right now. One simple mind shift can move you out of darkness and weeping and into light and rejoicing. God wants to wipe all tears from our eyes and replace our weeping with joy.